turn to God's Word and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 16 through 20. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 16 through 20. Before we read God's Word, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help in the reading and preaching and the hearing of His Word. Our Father, thank You that You're the God who speaks and You thunder down with Your great voice. And do so now even down to our hearts. And turn our hearts to You. Soften us. And allow us not to harden our hearts to Your Word. As the many who have gone before us have hardened their hearts at the hearing of Your Word. And because of this, they did not enter Your rest. Father, may it not be true of any of us here, if it would be by Your mercy and grace. Pour out Your Holy Spirit and grant to us faith, conviction of this, Your truth, obedience, love for You, and comfort. For You're the God who says these things to us and commands these things to us, even by Christ, Your Son. And Father, speak through the minister that You would grant to him Your words, the unction of Your Holy Spirit, and that he would be humbled and that we would receive Your Word and not His. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 16. These are God's words. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, Take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Those are God's words. Exodus 34 says in one of the verses there, The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Our God and our Savior, and uh, children learning the catechism, you know that God is the God of truth. And Christ manifested as the second person of the triune God came in coming to earth. He did nothing while on the earth except 
speak the truth. When he was speaking, he was always speaking truth. Even those things that are hard to grasp, hard to receive, always speaking the truth. He held nothing back. He did not lie one time. He did not speak half-truths or white lies, trying to muddy up what he was saying to make it more palatable or receivable to the hearer. At times you would think he was saying what he was saying, which was the truth, was to turn people away from him. At least that's how we would think it upon hearing it or seeing it and reading it in his word. This passage is sort of like that. You might think that. He's trying to drive people away from him almost because it's, it's not very pleasant to the ear to hear. He calls his people to follow him and he says, and in other passages, you know, take up your cross and follow me. And that's a good definition, a summary of this passage. And the one of the most comforting and assuring chapters in all of Scripture, what does he tell us? He tells us the truth. He says in Romans 8, If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we might also be glorified together with Him. Why does the Lord Jesus do this? To keep many out who would, at least in one purpose, to keep many out who would fake their following Him. So many, as we learn, especially in John's Gospel, we learn it here in Matthew's Gospel, there's so many who are following Him, and their following Him was superficial. It was a lie. Uh, Their faith was not true. It was going uh, along for a time, but eventually there would come a time when they hear something that Jesus spoke And they turned away from Him. Not all, but many. And isn't it, friends, true in the church of Christ today? So much preaching is filled with everything positive. But the passages like this one are either left out, never preached on, they're glossed over, they're muddied up or softened. And so... What our church is filled with. So many who don't have true faith. True saving faith. One controversy of sin or some little suffering or hardship arises. And those same people who don't have a true saving faith, they're gone. They run. They flee away. Because they're fleeing Jesus Christ. And the calling that is upon everyone who has faith in Him. They fled from they flee from the doors of the church, and sometimes they go to another church, and they go to another church, and they go to another church, just to be part of a group, a club. But the church is not, as we heard in Song of Solomon, a club. It is a marriage to Christ. Our God wants our faith to be true, our commitment to Him and to His bride to be true, to be faithful to Him, and all true believers. Friends, all true believers, all true Christians will not be deterred by the truth. They will not be deterred by the truth. All true believers, all true Christians, when it's made plain, when His truth confronts our hearts and our sins, when His truth warns us of the dangers, 
and the crosses to be had in following Christ. What what does Jesus say? John 10, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. No matter what, they follow Him. And as the primary application of this passage is for ministers, because He's calling here the apostles, now the ministers of all people need to understand that this... That, that you cannot trick people into becoming true disciples of Jesus Christ. The same thing with all of us as we bear testimony and evangelize to our neighbors. You can't trick anybody in coming to Jesus Christ by making the message softer or not covering or not, uh, or, uh, not saying what is true of a Christian. You cannot trick someone into becoming a false disciple or a true disciple, but you can only trick people into becoming false disciples. You can't trick them into becoming true disciples, but you can make false disciples by doing that or by telling white lies or softening the truth. You cannot deceive people into real conversions to Christ by making the Christian life seem trouble-free and easy. It's not trouble-free and easy. Lord, Jesus never did any such thing when He spoke and taught and preached. And here showing us again that all of His ministers should not either when they're preaching. The first point this morning, Christ sends His sheep. Christ sends His sheep. Look at verse 16. It says, Behold, I send you, Jesus is speaking, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The disciples, the apostles, the ministers. Uh, you are, uh, and there's no apostles today, but you are as sheep being sent out into the midst of wolves. That's the minister's calling. He sends them out. Jesus sends them out into the midst of wolves. This is known. It's known that there are wolves out there. And He's taught us what? There are sometimes wolves in here. Right? And the sheep, though there are wolves out there, they're still sent out there. The sheep are. Who would do such a thing? It says, Behold, I, Jesus, I send you I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who sends His people out into the midst of wolves. And that word, sends, that's the word where we get the word apostle from because Jesus sent out the apostles to carry forth His truth. They were sent out. It's Christ who sends out the apostles as sheep in the midst of wolves. And these apostles were sent out in a a very unique sense at a particular time. But how unfathomable to think that it was Christ, the good shepherd of the sheep. The good shepherd, not the bad shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep that sent out His sheep in the midst of wolves. And yet this this is comforting. This is to be comforting to any true Christian and 
especially to any true minister of Christ. It didn't just happen. It wasn't that as the sheep went out, Christ was caught off guard, like He didn't know what was happening and what the sheep were doing and what He was doing. That's the the God of the liberals, a God who doesn't know anything. It wasn't as if randomly wolves came upon the sheep to attack them, even when they come into the church and attack. It's not random. It's not unknown. It's not unplanned. But there was a purpose behind it. Christ sent the sheep out into the midst of wolves. That's what He's saying He's doing here. If it were anyone besides Jesus Christ who sent out like uh, sent out these sheep in the midst of wolves, it would be too much. It would be heartless. It would be ruthless to do so. We wouldn't follow that person if it were anyone else. That's a bad shepherd, we would say. But this is Christ. The sovereign Redeemer. The lover of our souls. Our Savior and Lord. Only Our only hope. Our only comfort. It's Christ. The King and Head of the Church who does all things and sitting on His throne for the sake of the Church. It's this Savior that sends them out. That sends the Apostles out. That sends ministers out. And because it is this Savior, all is well. Otherwise, it would be ludicrous to do. Right? But all is well in Christ. Yet this here applies to us all. None of us are apostles. Most of us are not ministers of the Gospel. Christ does not send any of us out on a warfare that is of our own charges. He doesn't require us to bear testimony in the world by our own strength and by our own resources. He sends us and He tells us to uphold the truth. He's the one who gives the strength for it, for everything involved. What did the Apostle Paul say? Philippians 4. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth, strengtheneth, strengtheneth me. He requires nothing that He cannot give grace to perform. He sends the sheep. He sends the sheep, His own sheep. And as the shepherd, uh, as the sheep, as we have... Uh, A great shepherd, a good shepherd. And yet he, the good shepherd, exposes his sheep to dangers. The people of God, especially the preachers of the Word, often have no visible protection. We don't have security guards around us normally. But only the one who sits enthroned on high that we cannot now see with our Physical eyes. The Lord Jesus cares for His sheep. And we see Him with the eyes of faith. Notice Jesus, as He sends the sheep among the wolves, the great vicious enemy to all sheep, right? Notice Jesus doesn't say they would end up or might end up among wolves. Or even, I leave you among wolves. He sends them in the midst of wolves. 
And that's why he begins with the word, Behold. Shocking. Something shocking. Uh, See this. The shepherd sending the sheep in the midst of wolves. And that work of bearing testimony to the gospel that all of us are called to do does not find its motivation then in the idea that men are natural recipients of the message. They're not. When we go out and we talk to people, if you've done this before, you know that men, women, and children are not naturally going to receive the gospel that you'd bear testimony of, of Jesus Christ. We do not gain courage to testify the truth of the good news, whether in public, uh, preaching for ministers, or personal witnessing, bearing for all Christians from any idea that there is some good in man that might ignite when they hear the gospel and result in a believing response. That's not the case at all. We know because all naturally... Being conceived in sin are naturally totally depraved, utterly corrupted, in bondage. That's what we looked at a few Lord's Days ago. There's nothing in man by nature that encourages evangelism. There is, in the natural sinful man, there is no love for God. There is no natural love for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not one sliver of care for it at all. He says here, I send you out in the midst of wolves. That's the ministers, and all of you. When you evangelize, there will be some who respond with such vitriol and cruelty and viciousness that they could truly be described as wolves. And our Lord Jesus does not hide that from you. Why? Because He loves you. And He's comforting you here knowing that He's the one who sends you out. And He's going to protect you and care for you in your soul. Just like Psalm 121. That's why I love Psalm 121 so much. He cares. He holds in His hands. He keeps your souls. No one can take your soul from you. Our Lord Jesus, thankfully, does not hide this. He doesn't say, I'm sending you out among the nice pleasant people who I'm sure will give you a fair hearing and a people who are looking for just such a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to love and believe. He doesn't say that because it's not true. He says, I send you forth in the midst of wolves. And Jesus directs us, His people, to a certain lifestyle and behavior in following Him. He says, as you go out, because of how and where you're going to amongst wolves, and I'm sending you there, He says, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, you're to be shrewd. And kids, you don't know what shrewd means. It means that you really need to focus on understanding what's going on around you. And really judging, determining the things that are happening around you. As well as understanding what those situations you are in are leading to. 
And kids, that's a great message for you to know and to think about what you're doing and what's going on around you, where all of that is going to go. If you do this or if they do that, what's going to happen? Right? And think, and as you get older, Lord willing, you'll get better at seeing further on into the future the the natural consequences or effects of things that you do and others do. Right? That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about to all of us to think like that, to, to grasp what's happening around you. And here, of course, as Christ is commanding this to put on a, a holy shrewdness. A holy shrewdness in accordance with God's Word. Nothing that He's commanding is contrary to God's Word. Take notice what's going on so as not to be naive or foolish. That's what you're to do. If you're witnessing the truth of the Gospel to someone, take account of what is in man. That's the first thing. Take account of what is in that man, what is in that woman, what is in that child. That depravity will lead when you bring... How that depravity will lead them when you bring the good news of the Gospel to them. It will lead often to ruthless opposition. The Lord says they are hostile toward Him. And therefore, hostile towards you. He says that from the beginning, right? Genesis 3. There is enmity, hostility, right? So be careful then, friends. Watchful of what's happening like a serpent. A serpent's always aware of what's going on around them. Sometimes people look at this verse, they think this is somewhat contradictory to other parts of Scripture. How could He be calling us to be like a serpent when Satan was described as a serpent? But to be wise as serpents, you aren't to be like serpents in every respect, in every way. He's not saying that. He doesn't mean to be like serpents in motivation and in purpose. In that respect, you're to be harmless as doves. Not the shrewdness of deceit, but a judgment and carefulness that is filled with complete holiness and purity. The serpent's understanding on its own is cunning and deceitful. The dove's harmlessness on its own is weakness. But the wisdom of the serpent and the harmlessness or simplicity of the dove combined means that they are not to be foolishly exposing themselves. You're not to be foolishly exposing yourselves to unnecessary dangers as if they, that you have no idea what is in man or woman or child. As if to not know that they're totally corrupted and depraved. Nor were they to sinfully, or you're not to sinfully, compromise to avoid danger. You're absolutely not to do that. You don't compromise to avoid danger. They were to have the wisdom to avoid unnecessary danger. And the purity to not compromise to avoid necessary danger. Ministers particularly, but all Christians, are to be awakened to the reality 
In other words, all this together, to man's depravity, their hostilities, but also the variations of the expressions of that hostility and depravity. And knowing in all of that, the power and the grace of God to change wolves into sheep. If it is His will to do. And so be spiritually alert. And take account of the situations you find yourselves in. In all situations, have confidence in God. In Christ who reigns on the throne. But you are to observe the reality around you. The natural enmity of man against God and His people. So when we go out and evangelize, we bear testimony. You can expect people will curse at you because they're cursing Christ, cursing and blaspheming God. You can expect, remember uh, Kendall was evangelizing and doing the door-to-door evangelism. The guy opened the door, he was naked. And he just, he didn't care. It's just utter shame. Right? All these different responses can happen. And people can attack you. Physically throw things at you, harm you. Be ready. But also know that Christ is sending you out to carry the message and to tell people of the good news that's found in Christ alone. In preaching and teaching, ministers are to take account of the people they're speaking to. That's helpful for parents to take account of your child. And one child is not always like the other child. They don't learn the same. When you start doing homeschool uh, or schooling your kids, teaching them, you're going to find out they don't learn the same. It's the same for ministers and preachers as they as they preach and teach in different environments and different before different hearers. People hear differently. The apostles, we find, did not preach exactly the same way in every situation. The same message was given. The same gospel of Jesus Christ was preached and proclaimed. But they didn't always do it the same way. They didn't preach the exact same way to every crowd or hearer. Acts 13, Paul before the synagogue is a whole lot different than Paul in Acts 17 at Mars Hill. In the synagogue, people had a knowledge of God's Word. At Mars Hill, they didn't. Started in a different place, basically. There's some people that have a knowledge of God's Word. Some people who don't have any knowledge of God's Word. Same message. But you preach and teach and bear testimony, evangelize differently depending on your hearer. There's no biblical reason to have only one way to evangelize. Because every hearer is different. So be wise, humble, harmless, judge the situation, the circumstances to find uh, that you find yourself in, where you're at, the people before you who are who are your who are your hearers, consider then the best manner that the truth could be conveyed to them. All and uh, the blessing and grace of Christ. 
There's plenty in the gospel itself to bring offense, though, because of verse 16 we're talking about. There's plenty in the gospel itself to bring offense to the natural heart, and so as well, and being wise and harmless like doves, friends, do not add unnecessary offense by how you speak the message. Know the situation, know the hearer. Our goal is to bring truth, the gospel, the scriptures to men and women and children, and we don't compromise on that truth that we bring. If they are offended, then be wise and harmless so that they are not specifically offended at you because of you, but offended by the truth and by Christ Himself. If we are to suffer, then may it be a suffering for Christ's sake, for righteousness' sake, right, Matthew 5, not because of your own foolishness. In other words, we don't want to bring offense for our own namesake. And why is that? Verse 18, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. It's for His sake, not for our sake. For Christ's sake. So let our sufferings be for His sake. That's what He wants. Don't let your sufferings be for your own folly and your stupidity, but for His sake. Christ sends His sheep. Secondly, beware of men. Beware of men. Look at verse 17. It says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and he will be brought, and ye will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Again, what a gracious Savior that we have that He tells us exactly what's going to happen. Even though they should be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, even though they should remove all the ground of unnecessary offense from within themselves as it, as it goes out, even though they should be as discerning and careful in their behavior with all purity and motive, according to God's Word, purity, this would still happen. Why? Well, particularly, he's speaking to apostles here. Because you, the apostles, ministers in application, and we've also learned Christians, all Christians, will still tell the truth. That's why. Because you'll tell the truth. And yet Jesus says, beware of men. Beware of men. Take account of what is in men. Don't be fooled by initial greetings of how civil they may be. Often, like when we're doing the the town festival here and we're handing out tracts and and talking to people and testifying of the good news of Jesus Christ, most people are cordial to us and civil. But don't think that people who seem pleasant at first can't in a moment turn against you with all hatred and attack you. I remember when I was in Dallas uh, testifying while uh, Pastor Ron was uh, preaching uh, and I was handing out tracts while he was doing that. Uh, the people were very cordial. They're from Texas. So, you know, they're generally more cordial than here even. And they're shaking my hand and they're saying, oh, and I keep going on and this person, uh, you know, hearing what was being preached, hearing what I was testifying to or the good news. And she turned in a moment and said, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. She turned in a moment. 
That happens. In the heart of every nice worldly person, there is what? A murderer. There's a murderer. Because they're of their father, the devil, who is a murderer from the beginning. There is a liar in their heart. Right? So we go, we we talk to people, and they'll tell us, oh yeah, we'll come to worship. Oh yeah, I go to church. We know full well they don't. There's a liar. They're naturally against Christ and the truth, and they'll get anything so they don't have to hear. We heard that a few weeks ago. They'll try to shun that away. John 2 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus was doing exactly what he says in the passage to us, to his apostles, to us ministers, to all of us Christians. Jesus teaches us that that we shouldn't be ignorant or naive. We need to have a grasp of what is in man, a sinful, hostile, depraved, murderous, lying heart in every single one. We need to have a grasp of what is in them. Beware of men, Jesus says. Beware of the enmity and the hostility there is in man. Sometimes that heart of a natural man or woman or child lashes out and attacks. And what do we bring as Christ calls us the truth? A message that is attacking that depraved heart. The depraved heart can't stand this. There is no message in the world to the depraved human uh, than the truth. The Gospel, the Word of God. You can see that in our nation. You see that throughout the world. Same thing we heard last Lord's Day. Our nation uh, falling all over themselves to accommodate what? Murderous Islam. And we could go on to a whole different, a whole host of different things. One thing, Islam, which is filled with hate. And yet more and more our nation is seeking to oppress God's people. Christianity, Christ, the message of the Gospel, the truth. What have the Christians done to provoke this? Followed Christ. Proclaiming the truth. Beware of men. Beware, as we've studied before, beware of Satan and his demons, his devils. Jesus says, Ephesians 6, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan and his devils are certainly enemies of the truth, enemies of Christ, enemies of the church. But that's not our only enemies. Satan uses real men and women and children. Have you not considered the psalms we sing? Have you considered why the Lord gives us these psalms where we sing about these people who've gone before us, they lived long ago, God's people, and there are constantly wicked men, wicked people who are constantly attacking them. And we're singing about that. And there's a reason we sing about that, and God gives that to us to sing about. Because the church of God in every generation, every generation has dealt with wicked people.
people who are hostile towards them, the people of God. Because people hate the church. People hate the truth. They want every Christian to be annihilated from the face of the earth. Beware of men. There's still men who long for the day when Christianity will be no more. It will never happen, but they long for it. In other words, the battle that's being waged, this includes men and women and children. Beware of them. Not just Satan and put on the full armor of God, but beware of men too. This includes elders, religious leaders, rulers, judges, the civil magistrate. Look at what it says. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Councils, uh, that was the Sanhedrin's. Each synagogue or group of synagogues in a general area in Israel had a council of elders. That's verse 17. Therefore, it's speaking of the enmity, the hostility of the Jews against Christ. The truth, the church, the gospel. Verse 18, it's about the civil magistrate. And he shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And so the rulers of the unfaithful, apostate, Israelite church that rejected and rebelled against Christ. That's verse 17. And the civil rulers like Herod and Pilate and Nero, etc. Verse 18. This was fulfilled in Christ Himself, leading up to the cross and at the cross by the Jews and the Romans. The Jews and the Roman magistrate and beyond in the church even unto today. 2 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul says, are, you, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of, excuse me, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul's not bragging as we studied before, but he's saying of the Jews, right? Of the Jews, five times received I 40 lashes or 40 stripes, right? He's whipped 40 times, save one, except one. 39 times. In Deuteronomy, the punishment was maximum 40. That the Pharisees, in case they miscounted, always stopped at 39. Why was Paul flogged? Why was he whipped? For preaching the truth of Christ who is prophesied in all the Scriptures. Well, that doesn't matter. What matters is the, the right amount of, of, of whips. We don't want to go over that number. That's what's important. He was persecuted by the Jews. But also verse 18, by the Gentiles, right? He's being persecuted. He went before uh, Felix and Festus and Agrippa, the Gentile governors. 
generally, who is against the truth? The Gospel proclaimed against Christ. It's not... It's the, it's the apostate church. Even today. Churches that have apostatized and, and civil power against God's people. Civil magistrate. There are churches today that have so apostatized from the truth that they viciously oppose the truth and they join together with worldly pagans against Christ's bride. That was true in the crucifixion of Christ. The Jews prevailed upon Pilate. It was true in the persecution of the apostles. It was just considered with Paul. If you read through the book of Acts, we'd see it more. Roman Catholicism, even according to the Scriptures, is an outstanding, outstanding example of an apostatized church like the Jews who viciously opposed the truth of the Gospel over centuries, causing great persecution upon who? God's people. Murdering them. Putting God's people, Christ, the ones who Christ died for, to death. I'm going over, uh, there's a few of you who are uh, seeking to be members here, and we were going over how the saints in Scotland were persecuted, and they were burned at the stake, and they were killed with the sword by a Gentile civil ruler. Right? Right? It continues even today. But Christ told us, and He's telling us again this morning, He says, beware of men. Beware of men. 1 Peter 4, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. And so nevertheless, the apostles with great joy Ministers with great joy, Christians, all of us with great joy, are to continue to bear testimony. But beware. Be ready. Verse 18, Ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Bearing testimony of the truth, the gospel to these people. Bear testimony to church courts. And elders and leaders and governors and rulers and kings, when your senator comes to town, go to the meeting. And when you have opportunity to ask a question, proclaim the gospel to them and call them to repentance. Especially ministers are to do that. It says here, bear testimony. Even those persecutors can be turned to Christ by God's grace. And there's account, there are accounts in church history of that. And remember even Saul of Tarsus in Scripture, one of those persecuting Jews against the Christians, but Christ saved him. But those who do not believe on Christ for salvation, they will not be saved from the eternal torments, no matter how high of earthly position and riches they have. The testimony will be against them. A testimony of the gospel granted to them will testify against them in the day of judgment. For they despise the truth. The truth, yet still must be testified. Christ doesn't say, you see these things happening, pull back and don't proclaim the truth. He doesn't say that. He says, be ready. Beware of men. 
Be discerning, be wise, be harmless, and testify. I, verse 16, I send you forth. And then finally, the the promise of Christ. The promise of Christ, verse 19, it says, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. When you're taken, when you're persecuted, when you suffer for the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, His command is, take no thought. It's the same in Matthew 6. It says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now that's not prohibiting all, all consideration and thought to be given, but it is prohibiting all anxious and fretful thought. Jesus is saying in our passage that, there, that, that, we, that we are not to be fretting or anxious about what we will say. We don't have to worry about that. We have the good news. And we have the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that you can't think of your responsibility to declare, but He's saying don't worry. Don't worry about if you will remember what to say at that time. Will I be reduced to a a stumbling, bumbling, cat-got-your-tongue, no-words-coming-forth kind of man or woman or child? He says, no. No. Don't worry about that. Don't think that way. Why? For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. He calls the Holy Spirit the Holy the Spirit of your Father. Why? We know the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of God. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. But Christ calls the Spirit the Spirit of your Father. Why? To bring all three persons of the one Godhead into view so you can be comforted. To know God is with you. To bring assurance to the apostles, to all of Christ's disciples in all times, that the triune God of glory is your rock and your strength. Well, He will be your wisdom, your comfort. That what they stand and suffer for is the truth of the Gospel, truth of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This is the great promise that the Spirit works mightily. He works mightily in the hearts of all believers, especially ministers, to give them boldness to declare the truth of God. He supplies the, the, the courage, the words, everything that is needed for you to declare the majesties of the good news of Jesus Christ, even to do so in the face of great hostility. And so that you'll not love your own life unto death. He does this for the apostles, His ministers. But He does this for you too. The ordinary church members, His bride. He considered uh, as a testimony to what Christ promises here, church history. Church history is good in this way, that it shows us many examples of Christ's promises coming to fruition. Have you considered 
how he... Uh, ordinary people. He took ordinary people, like all of us, and great courage to speak truth and showed forth the power of God, His power, as they were persecuted and suffered and some put to death. But it was all in the strength and power and the powerful keeping hands of Almighty God. The God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who never leaves you nor forsakes you, but gives His people the words to speak, even when standing with a noose around the neck, before a great crowd yelling and jeering at them. And such people in that hour spoke the truth of the Gospel. And you consider your own self, and you say, well, I could never do that. I would cower in fear. I'd be, um, I'd be mute. I'd be too timid to say anything. The Lord says here, He gives strength to ordinary people just like you to speak the truth. These people were not all naturally courageous. We look throughout church history. They were not all naturally courageous, as God has given some people to be. But certainly not all. They were not naturally courageous. Many of these people were just like all of us in makeup. If we took a proportion of how of all of us here today, and uh, character and personality, even the quiet, soft-spoken, timid types of people, and yet the Lord lit their tongue on fire. So the good news rang out to all present. You know John Calvin. Most of us know John Calvin, famous reformer. Ordinary Christian minister. He was a timid man. Yet when his life was threatened and he was called to preach the gospel, he went and preached. And he preached with great power because of the power of God in him. The Lord has the power to make naturally feeble, cowardly, weak, unprincipled men. Right? Think of Paul. He's described in his body as a weak man. Moses, soft-spoken. He can take cowardly, weak, unprincipled men and women and children and cause them to be bold in the face of great suffering. Only by the Holy Spirit at work in them. He can make the weak appearing as one as one bold as a lion, right? Over and over again he's done this. And the church is still here. He does that throughout the Scriptures. He's done that throughout church history because of these promises he's made here. The God of truth. He's filled with power and strength and, and, and over all these things that He is sending out His people to do. Even in the midst of wolves. And yet nothing, no one, can destroy His or His church. It's this God who sent His Son into the world to atone for all your sins. To die for you. Isn't that the Savior that you want to bow down? He's worth bowing down before, worshiping and submitting to in all things. He's Christ the King and He rules over all. 
Friends, all of you this morning, this is the God who keeps all of His promises. He promises here to give you the words. And He'll do it. He promises to bless all who come to Christ by faith. And so come to Christ by faith here to trust in Him and seek Him and submit to Him in all things. Come to Him and believe. It's this God in Christ who takes those who believe on Him and He sends them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And He warns us, beware of men. What a loving and gracious King and Savior we have in Christ. What a sovereign Redeemer who watches over and cares for us and upholds us in every breath that we take. And so He instructs us here to be wise and harmless. Consider your circumstances and and bear the testimony of the good news of the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Be not ashamed of the Gospel, but proclaim it. This is the Savior you need. This is the Savior and Lord that you, the only one who provides comfort and gives comfort to His people, to those who are needy. He gives strength. He gives words. And so trust Him and turn to Him lest you fall into judgment. For in Christ alone are open arms ready to receive you. And He promises if you come to Him, He will receive you and not cast you out. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He calls you to come to Him with the promise, My sheep hear My voice and I know them. And they follow Me. Even in the midst of suffering, they follow Him. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for Your your Word, the good news, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that You strengthen us and comfort us and You reveal to us the truth. You don't hide things from us that we need to know. So make us watchful. Make us discerning. Make us wise and harmless to love You and submit to You and speak Your truth. And Father, we do pray that if Uh, Not if, but when we do suffer, when we are persecuted, even if it is to death, uh, Father, we do pray that You would grant it would be for Your sake and not ours. Not for our own foolishness and stupidity. But according to Your Word, make us pure. And may it be for righteousness' sake that Your name, not ours, would be praised. And that You would care for us and uphold us every step. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.